Hey, it's me, Jack Sislak, and this is Radical Transparency, the SciSense podcast, where we talk about the latest in analytics, data, and business intelligence, so you don't have to, but you can if you want. Today's episode is a call-in show with Garrett Margut from Directive Consulting. He and I sat down and talked about the marketing industry and analytics and where all that's heading. Take it away, me and Garrett from the past. Garrett, thanks so much for joining us. Why don't you go ahead and tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself and Directive. Thanks, Jack, for having me. It's a blast to be on here. And uh, yeah, so I, uh, I'm the CEO at Directive. We do search marketing for B2B and enterprise companies who are looking to increase opportunities, deals, and revenue. And yeah, I mean, data plays a big part in that. So excited to chat with you. Awesome. All right, so you just mentioned data and how important it is. So big picture, what do data and analytics mean to the marketing industry, which I know is very data-driven, and to your company in particular? Let's start right there. Big picture, I think it's good and bad. I think you've got this really healthy combination of what, what data has done is it's allowed marketers in-house and agencies to know, frankly, what's working and what's not, unlike ever before. Now, there's still obviously gaps and there's still opportunities for data to grow and its capabilities. You know, that's the good side of it. I, I think maybe on the bad side, you have things that have been done historically, like billboards and physical advertising and television commercials that are still very difficult to do data analytics around. Mm -hmm. And because of the difficulty to understand if they're working or not, they've become devalued, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. brand marketing has taken a hit because you can't tie it right back into your sales force and say, look how many ops this generated. And I think you see, especially in search, a lot of organizations can struggle to get the results they want if they don't have a brand to support their efforts. And so it's this, I think data is doing amazing things. But I think you know it's become this end all um, so that if it can't be tracked, it's not valuable is a hypothesis that some people jump to. Uh, and, and so it's, it's been really interesting to see how it's changing the entire marketing industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's funny. Sometimes people will track something just because it's trackable. They're like, oh, okay, well, we know we can get numbers on this, so I guess we'll pay attention to this, but it might not be the thing that's most important to moving the needle and actually getting them progress. Well, and I think that's right. And that's, you know, data analysis paralysis, right? And that's what happens that I see constantly happening to in-house marketers, people at Directive and our specialists and People everywhere is you get so much data you're inundated with that you want to track everything, and then you forget that keeping track of everything, even when it's automated, becomes such a component of your time that you actually no longer have time to move the needle, right? So you're spending all this time mm -hmm. sometimes in that <laughs> analysis paralysis. And so recognizing it lets you use the data for powerful things instead of it becoming the default for when you're kind of having a rough day or you don't know what to do next. So you just kind of pull up your data and you stare at it, right? Yeah, and, yeah and so, you can just poke around at a dashboard or something. Yeah, for hours, right? And then you're wondering, it's like, well, that, yeah. that's not going to make the numbers go up. <laughs> and, and so, you know, just taking all of this with a grain of salt and using it, mm -hmm. you know, for, with the power that it really has. Absolutely, yeah. It's Data is useless unless it's tied to something concrete and vice versa. Unless you're doing something actionable with that data, then you're just wasting your time. You're treading water. Yep, exactly. All right. So what are clients looking for when they work with Directive, and how does you know analytics sort of play in with that? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, they're looking to 
really generate marketing qualified leads that are going to turn into opportunities, deals, and revenue. Uh, we work primarily with B2B, a lot in the technology space, and then um, quite a bit in the enterprise space. Uh, some technology, some not. You know, most of them have pretty specific KPIs that are usually tied directly to what that organization deems to influence revenue. But, you know, on the data side, what they're really looking for is they're tired of getting vanity metrics. Um, the process of actually correlating your efforts from what someone sees in GA or what we, you know, Google Analytics or what I was just calling GA, what you're seeing in there, right, what, what people have kind of done, especially in the agency world, is they said, you know what, it's okay to just report on the data we have like Google Analytics, right? So a lot of agencies are just reporting on conversions, traffic, bounce rate, impressions, cost per click, cost per conversion. But what they're not doing is they're not actually looking at cost per opportunity, cost per deal, and actual ROI by correlating their efforts into the actual sales CRM so that they're getting full attribution. And so what Directive does that's pretty unique is we partner with Siphon. Uh, we use things like Google Quick ID or just really set up their integration properly between their marketing CRM and their sales CRM and their advertising or SEO efforts. And then we can actually look at the true ROI all the way to revenue. And that's really what Directive is doing differently and really offering to these B2B organizations is giving them the mm -hmm. visibility. Because you'd be amazed that a lot of times See, what happens in AdWords, right, is, or Google Ads now, is the most expensive keywords are traditionally the most expensive because they're the most valuable, meaning that organizations will spend the most on those terms. And so if you're purely sure. looking at the Google Ads platform, you can be spending money and say, wow, this is such a high cost per acquisition. We need to pause these campaigns. They cost too much. Now, what you don't know is because there's no quality metric on a conversion in Google Ads or Google Analytics, you don't know if those ones, though, have a much lower cost per opportunity or cost per deal because of the value and thus the cost. And so when you just do AdWords for large organizations with high average order values and high LTVs and you're just looking at cost per conversion data, it's crazy. You, you can pause your most successful campaigns not even knowing it. And that's the value, right, of, a, of really looking beyond just your marketing analytics but actually into the sales side of it and saying, okay, is this driving revenue? And that's really what we're trying to do. Wow, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, you get, sounds like you guys really just pull all these sort of disparate elements together to give people a fuller picture. Exactly. And, and you know, Siphons is a great way that we use to do that. Awesome. Hey, that's cool. that's always good to hear. So, all right, we, you were talking about you know tying the marketing stuff to the sales stuff and kind of giving I'm going to use the word transparency there, like through the whole sales cycle and the whole process and actually figuring out what's working in terms of your bottom line, what's actually what yeah. what's making you money. Yeah. So, where do you think the market is heading? The marketing market in terms of transparency and access to analytics, sort of for the whole across the board. I mean, we don't work with any organizations that don't have access to their own analytics and have a pretty good idea of what's going on. I think in the media space, in the brand advertising space, that's where they're getting really shook up because they're used to just reporting on CPMs and they're used to reporting on just kind of like an overall creative campaign that they ran on TV. And then someone's like, yeah, but how much right. revenue did it generate? And they kind of 
stumble at that point. See, uh, <laughs> in the search world, everything since day one has been pretty trackable. I think the real difference right now is people are now saying, okay, what did that did? What did that do for our pipeline, though? Can I actually see that in my Salesforce reports? And so, with that accountability, it's pretty enjoyable, right? The reason I love doing a directive and making sure that we are being transparent, we're being held held accountable to the quality of our efforts and the quality of our recommendations is if you make an account more than they're paying you, it's pretty hard to get fired. <laughs> you know, you can keep it pretty simple, right? <laughs> totally. Like, you pay me this much, we yeah. make you that much. Let's keep working together. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, and that's yeah, and that's the that's the value of being transparent and actually trying to go down funnel as a search agency. Uh, there's a lot of value there for sure. Cool. So, how about this? You're talking about performance. You're talking about that easy math in terms of like, okay, you bring in this much, you cost that much. How important is it to the future of directive that clients see not just their own performance, but their performance relative to like kind of the aggregate? Like, how are they doing compared to their peers? Yeah. So, do we have anything in that regard? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a huge initiative we're actually rolling out and finalizing at the end of Q1 here is, well, we're kind of, we're calling quality control, but really what it's doing, right, is it's taking all of our client data and throwing it into a SQL database that we're visualizing <laughs> in Python that essentially allows us to create cohorts. So, hey, of all of our B2B software clients, what's the average mm -hmm. monthly organic traffic growth rate? So if a client's freaking out that they only grew 20%, is that 75% above average or is that 50% below average? Can we give them some context <laughs> yeah. so that their anxiety doesn't drive their decision-making but instead reality, right? In Q4, does our whole portfolio see a dip or does it grow? What should a client expect? Mm -hmm. and, and so when you can, as an agency, aggregate data across all these different verticals and then give, give that to your clients as benchmarks that's still anomalized, I mean, that's a special mm -hmm. place to be, right? That's a competitive advantage as an agency. And so I think the more creative organizations are with benchmarking and creating parameters around what does success look like in the market, not mm -hmm. just in our own distorted dystopia, which is really easy to do, I think. <laughs> uh, it, totally. And it creates a much better sense of reality, right? Because knee-jerk marketing is the worst marketing in the world. And a lot of that comes oh, totally. from what I think our marketing should be accomplished, not what reality says our marketing can accomplish. And so helping clients get benchmarks off of overall market data, I think is a huge part of what we're trying to do uh, at the end of Q1 here. Awesome. Yeah. And how old is that initiative in terms of like showing people the aggregates and kind of not talking them off the ledge, so to speak, and be like, hey, you know, you're, you're doing good. This is how it is in the yeah. market you're in. And you're, here's you. You're your dot. It's up here. It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, we've been blessed, I think, to have clients that are you know, pretty mature in their just um, own life cycle of their own marketing and kind of been through the unrealistic expectation stage. Uh, I think everyone goes <laughs> through it. I think we all do it. I've gone through it with my own marketing. Um, mm -hmm. All of our clients I know have probably gone through it where you kind of set these goals and have these visions based off of a blog post you read or a book you went to or a conference you saw or a case study you witnessed. And that becomes your benchmark despite your starting point is maybe different than theirs. And so, you know, yeah, totally. I think we've been pretty blessed there. But I think, you know, this effort itself is about, um, I think we were, well, we were on Data Studio before, and we just needed a little bit more of an enterprise solution. Um, and so that's why we kind of moved over. I'd say it's about three okay. months in the making, and we still like two more months to really kind of pull it all together and figure out, okay, how exactly can we best leverage this? 
Um, but because we do have a lot of amazing data. Cool. So this is kind of leading edge. For yeah, you I mean, this is yeah, this is only, it's not like a widely done thing in our industry where mm-hmm. you know agencies are essentially creating aggregated data across their whole portfolio to help clients with projections and benchmarks. And so it's definitely a you know it's kind of an innovative initiative we're trying to really uh, spearhead here. Cool. Yeah. So do you feel like you'll have competitors and say you know five years from now that will be able to get by without adding analytics to their business or has that train already left the station and now like if you're going to be doing this kind of marketing intel you've got to have uh, analytics there you've got to be telling your customers as much as you can about what's going on inside their business i i think there's still going to be a ton of people who don't give it the credence it deserves uh, i think those individuals will struggle to secure enterprise accounts when they compete with agencies like Directive, who mm-hmm. in the proposal and in the negotiation phase can bring in an analytics competency that they might not have access to. I uh, see ourselves and a lot of other agencies that are working with enterprise accounts. This is becoming a larger and larger initiative for them. The bigger problem right now is there's not a lot of, there's not a budgetary bucket at a lot of larger organizations internally where they have mm-hmm. money set aside for analytics consulting. Okay? So that, okay. that's the real reality around the analytics market is if you search in a keyword research tool for Google Analytics Consultant or Marketing Data Consultant or Marketing Analytics Consultant, you're going to find less than a, you know a couple hundred people a month searching for that. Mm-hmm. While you look for like SEO agency or company, you're going to find thousands and thousands of people searching yeah, for yeah. it. So the market maturity is really the difficult part because the agencies have to have enough mm. clients they could sell into in existence more than they have clients inherently requesting it as of today. Now, in five years, I think gotcha. it's going to really drastically change. Right now, it's still early okay. for the actual demand for analytics consulting for agencies in at least what people are searching for uh, through referrals mm-hmm. and other ways. But yeah, there's not a ton of volume around, you know, marketing data consultant. Gotcha. All right. But yeah, I, I like what you said about people, you know, still trying to make a go of it without really realizing that they're missing a huge component, that if they don't have an analytics component, they're kind of, you know, they're Yeah, they're, they're just going to struggle to close deals. You know, they might not have some really robust system, but they're going to try. Mm-hmm. I think if you're in yeah. marketing and you're not correlating your efforts back to actual revenue, and it's yeah. easier in e-commerce because you can see that in Google Analytics. Uh, I know there is the right. GA Salesforce thing now, and you can use Google Quick ID. So there's some easier ways to do it. But the reality is, is you know, 95% of agencies out there still aren't actually able to correlate their efforts to client data. And the reason also wow. is I'd say 95% of clients don't have accurate CRMs that are properly maintained. And so there's, there's a whole reason why the ecosystem is still developing. Like all across our mm-hmm. whole, we have we have about seventy accounts. I'd say less than ten mm-hmm. of them have CRMs that are properly tracking leads, opportunities to deals. Wow. All right. So yeah, this is a big opportunity there. Yeah. Yes, it's a very large market awesome. that's still developing uh, as it you know as budgets get built out for it. So do you have clients that are getting sort of way more transparency 
than they were used to when they switched over to directive? And what kind of discoveries are they making now that they have that kind of visibility? Have you had any people come back to you like, wow, I didn't understand that we were doing X or Y or Z thing before, but now I do? Or what are some like sort of big wins for I you guys? I think the big one was there's a concept called share SERP that we kind of pioneered here. Um, SERP means search engine results page. And I, I actually okay. speak on it a lot uh, at conferences and go around the country talking about it, and I write a lot of blog posts on it. And it's really just cool. It's this idea that at the bottom of the funnel, so if you search top ERP software, and you go ahead and do that mm -hmm. in Google right now if you're listening or if you're just have some time later, what you're going to find is that none of the individual ERP software companies are even ranking in the top ten. This is because Google... Huh is prioritizing data aggregators due to what I call the Yelp and the Amazon effect. So in B2C, no one ever looks at a restaurant without searching best restaurants or going on Yelp and looking at reviews, and they do comparison shopping. Okay? You want to sure. buy a product, you go on Amazon, and you comparison shop. You look at the reviews, you look at the prices, you look at your options. Well, when you buy a $250,000 software, you do the same thing. And so what you start to find is sites like Captera and Software Advice and G2 Crowd and Trust Radius and GetApp, they're all out there, right? And they're dominating the bottom of the funnel. Now, here's where mm. mathematics and market acknowledgement of what's going on in search engines can help these CMOs and marketers grow. The number one organic result averages a 28% click-through rate. The number one search ad position generates anywhere between a 2 to 3% click-through rate. So if you wanted to 10x your volume, you would simply, instead of paying to be number one on Google Ads, you would pay to be number one on the list that's ranking number one for the keyword you're targeting. So if the number, totally. so if Captera has the number one result for top ERP software, then you simply pay to be number one on Captera. Oftentimes you'll get a cheaper cost per click on Captera. You have a more qualified buyer because they've gotten to see your reviews and learn more about your product, and you can drastically improve lead volume. And so that's one of the biggest things. Now, you wouldn't know that, though, because the cost per conversion difference might only be 10 or $20 between Google Ads and Captera. But see, when you correlate it all the way through to revenue and you look at the pipeline data and it shows you, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, the cost per opportunity from Captera is $2,000 less than that of Google Ads. Now, that changes wow. your perspective on where you should advertise. And so, yeah, that's sort of an example of, you know, the visibility uh, that we can give clients where they can really reassess where they're yeah. spending money. Yeah, exactly. really ties in everything you were talking about before with giving people that complete down-the-funnel view of, yeah, where, there are, where their activities are directly connecting into value exactly. in the long term. So what were you hearing from clients before you rolled out your current analytics uh, We weren't solution? hearing much, and most people don't hear much because they don't sell it. Okay? So if you don't position yourself as having it, a lot of times people don't ask mm -hmm. about it. Now, the problem is, is if you want to go after bigger accounts and work with world-class marketers, they're going to ask you really quickly, okay, that's great. You know, what KPI should we expect and how are we going to track them? And mm -hmm. what you start having to do is we started to have to build out all the Google Sheets. And we would have to wow. manually put in all the data, say, okay, from all of our different SEO tools and our different things, okay, how many links did we get? How, how many keywords are we linked for? What's our traffic cost? Okay, so you're now manually mm -hmm. doing that. Then you've got, okay, how many, well, we don't have, and 
API system that can take their CRM data and then mesh it with all of our SEO data as well as with their Google Analytics data as well as their sales data, okay, now we're just manually putting things in a spreadsheet every month. Well, this is taking hours and hours of time. So that's when we brought in a full-time SQL developer and then started writing the APIs to then mm -hmm. put them all into SQL from all these different places and then visualize it initially in Data Studio. And now, once we you know, got a little bit more educated on something we need and more robust solution, that's when we kind of brought in Tyson. Totally. And you guys used Sysense to build an embedded uh, customer-facing self-service version so of this, you can right? have that all available as a client. So you can log in on your phone through the app mm -hmm. or online and then see all your data in real time. And then we still do weekly updates around our inputs and then reference highlights from the data because sometimes, you know, people just don't necessarily uh, look at it all the time. So we help highlight that <laughs> with screenshots and, and other aspects. Yeah, it's, cool. been a, it's been a pretty powerful tool. That's great. And you said that sometimes people just aren't sort of paying attention to their data, but at the same time, you know that they have a mobile app that they can go and poke around and see the, the same data they can see at their exactly. desktop, right? And it's not their fault that they don't look at data. Um, no, no, it's not their and fault. And here's no. <laughs> the reason why people don't look at yeah. data. It's because Tell data me. has to work or else people stop looking at it. So what more than often happens is the data that they're seeing in a dashboard doesn't match what they're natively seeing somewhere else due to an API connection or the actual data hasn't been done right and it hasn't been mapped properly. And so you see discrepancies. And the problem with data, it's like knowing that you have this amazing cake, okay? And in that okay. cake, there's a little rabbit pellet of poop. And it's <laughs> somewhere in the cake. It's a great cake. And most of the right. cake is going to taste great. But just knowing that there's this right. rabbit pellet in there makes yeah. you not focus on the cake, look at the cake, value the cake, or appreciate the cake. Totally. And that's yeah. the problem with data. Is the second there's a little bit of crap, a tiny little mistake, right. people stop trusting it. And so we've learned that the quality and the importance of maintaining clean data is far more important yeah. than anything else because that's the, that's the foundational aspect that the rest of it relies on. Wow, yeah, that's a really powerful lesson to learn and a really great way to drive it home, Garrett. I mean, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for that. I'm never going to look at data the same way again. But you were saying how um, – so you, I, the reason I asked about the mobile app and about people checking it is do you guys look into the usage analytics at all? Are you sort of peeking in and seeing like, oh, okay, these people are really engaged with the tool at this time or they've been – you've had this many users from this company look at it or anything um, of that nature? finalizing the rollout. I think we have two last clients to roll it out to, so we're not at – the kind of usage level yet where we're analyzing that. I think over the next couple quarters, um, that's something the analytics team could look at. Uh, that's not something personally I've looked at um, as CEO, but that's definitely something um, that I was excited about. We were trying to do kind of mm -hmm. cheeky tracking in Data Studio to see how many people were actually using it. Um, yeah. And, and so, no, we're excited to see what the usage kind of metrics look like as well. So, no, that's going to be an important part for us going into the next few three, few four. Cool. Yeah, it's awesome to hear, like, where your head's at with regards to all this stuff in, in terms of, you know, engagement and things of that nature. We talked a little bit before about sort of getting some big wins. Have you heard any more feedback from the clients that you have rolled out to, like what they like about having an embedded solution, what they, you know, no, are getting out of it? I have heard a ton, and that's good. Um. 
you, <laughs> I like your, that. your data is working and your analytic system is working if the CEO mm. is not hearing about it. Totally, if, I get if it. There's constant complaints and the data yep. isn't working. I hear about it. When data is working, I, I don't hear about it, and that's the good news. So no, I'm not hearing a lot, uh, which is actually really exciting. When we were on Data Studio, I heard a lot. I, I just think because of the, the setup and we, the API connections and the way it just operated mm -hmm. wasn't quite the same. Um, so no, I'm not actually hearing much at all, and, and that's what I'm most excited about. <laughs> hey, when it just works, right? It's just. Yeah, nobody no, ever, goodness. I mean, when was the last time someone was like, wow, this data is so good? You know, usually it's, wow, every yeah, time I look yeah. at this report, it doesn't match what I'm seeing on my end. And that's Oof, when you have yeah, the you problem. Yeah, you find out about yeah, that real exactly. quick. People don't talk, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Yelp, it's, uh, you usually find yep. out when it's bad before um, people leave it when it's good. Yep. This is another sort of forward-looking question. We touched a little bit about this before in terms of making sure that everybody in the market, you know, would have some kind of analytics thing in the future. Do you think that that'll be sort of people keep going with this embedded offering and make sure that whenever they're giving people analytics, it's customer-facing and they have the same sort of control that you're trying to give your clients? Or will analytics be enough and, you know, that you don't think there's much difference between a customer-facing self-service kind of thing and just like, no, no, we'll give you the I analytics you need depends on if the results are there. Okay, so we are not a scaled-up agency. No one here works on more than seven accounts. We interview people all the time who hmm. come from agencies where they have 45 accounts, 20 accounts, wow. 30 accounts. Those agencies traditionally do not have customer-facing analytics because they have to spend all their time trying to find a nugget of gold in a pile of crap. And so <laughs> it, it's very difficult to have a customer-facing analytics solution if you have a poor product or a poor service. And simultaneously, mm. if you can't showcase your success and you have a great service, right. then you're not able to charge, do value-based pricing. Instead, you have to do yeah. different types of pricing because you can't actually capture, prove, or validate the value of your services. So you become commoditized as a service provider, and you have to then lose your margin because you can't compete with larger players who can prove their value. So really, when yeah. done right, it's really powerful, but you have to have an operating model and a business focused on quality of work, not scale, at least in the professional services space. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, th that mention of like, you know, being able to prove your worth and, you know, the quality and scale. Are you ever concerned about there being too much transparency? This is a question <laughs> that's a little, it's a little dangerous sounding, but like, you know, here you are, you show how your services stack up against everybody else. And we talked about the simple math before and, you know, providing more value than you cost. You know, there there's sort of maybe a tendency at one time to give people only the analytics that make you look the best. But when you just lay it all bare like that, you know, that's a that's yeah. kind of a risky move. Well, I mean, a couple things. Okay, so if you're, if you're in an agency, right, and you're listening to this, there's a huge transition that occurs in client services when you start to work with a professional marketer compared to working with business owners and people who own the company. So when you first start out in an agency world, you a lot of times work with small businesses mm -hmm. and people who actually own the business. They mm -hmm. want all the data, they want it now, and everything's personal because it's their baby. Professional totally. marketers understand, okay, this takes time, here's what we need to expect, okay, I've done this before, okay, cool, this is my job, this isn't my life, and, and there's a different timeline um, that actually allows a lot of times for more success. Would having a fully transparent dashboard while working with small businesses, could that potentially be a problem if you can't tell the story of the data? 
definitely. Uh, not because you're doing bad work. You could be doing world-class work, mm-hmm. but someone who isn't a professional marketer might not appreciate it, recognize it, or be completely distracted by it. Now, once you kind of cross that threshold, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't give it to them. So I'm not talking about being unethical and saying, no, 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 you know, like and sending them fake data or not giving them access to their own data. I'm talking about if you're sure. pulling in a lot of other data, like we, like we're not just visualizing the client's data, we're pulling APIs from all of our different software tools that are actually showing things like keyword rankings in the top three, or organic traffic costs, or backlinks earned over a set period of time, right? So it's, it's additional data, that's great, right? And it's all going on place, but data that has no explanation to someone who can't read it is also useless. And so people who totally. act like they're helping small businesses because they give them their own data analytics, but they don't train the small business owner on how to view right. it, like that to me yeah. is equally unethical because you're not you, you're doing something to essentially scale your business so that you don't have to do manual mm-hmm. reporting for the sake of your right. margin, not for the value of the business owner, even though you're selling it that way. Wow. So yeah, I mean no, there can't be too much transparency, but there can definitely <laughs> be a lack of education. And so if you don't, if you give people all the data in the world but no education around timelines expectations and insight into what you're doing to influence the data but instead just showing them data and hoping they can somehow connect the dots i don't think that's right for them and it's going to definitely affect your business so you, know, you really do need to be able to put a story behind the data and explain it so that people can appreciate it good and bad awesome no that's a great answer man i'm really interested that's a a great way to put it. Last question, wrapping up and sort of turning towards directive itself a little bit. What's your company culture like regarding metrics? Are you like a really metrics driven organization overall? And, and sort of how does this all, you know, react with your people on the ground, because, so, so to speak? You know, we're, we're using um, our data kind of tool for a couple of things. Like we're using it for quality control. So we have like quality control systems based on qualitative data. You know, hey, this client's a little uneasy. Oh, this client's really happy. Uh, this client needs some more attention. This client, you know, they're having a down month. And that's all based on client feedback on our weekly calls. But now what we're doing is we're using that data across essentially the entire portfolio to get quantitative or what we would call like leading indicators. Okay, this client's down year over year. This client's up 3x year over year. Okay, what are we doing there? What are we not doing here? What's happening, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, not every month does every one of our clients see a thousand percent growth. It doesn't work that way. And, you know, unfortunately, some clients have been maybe declining for three years, and then we take them over, and it takes a little while to write the ship. And so maybe we totally. need to go put extra resources on the client to get them the success that they're after. And if you don't know about that, and instead you're just waiting until clients complain, which they have every right to do because you're not doing your job, <laughs> then you're totally, behind the yeah. ball, right? And so we're using data to see, okay, which clients are underperforming compared to their peers, not compared to their expectations. And that really Mm -hmm. is helpful Mm -hmm. to then put a little bit of like a light to their situation and maybe a place of darkness Mm -hmm. where they don't quite know what's going on and there's a lot of frustration. And so that's really helpful. And then, you know, internally, you know, we try to, you know, set metrics that don't isolate the organization. So they're less about revenue, right? And so not everybody makes more money just because the company's making more money. So a lot of times people isolate their team members by focusing so much on the money that the owners are making and not mm. about things that impact the whole firm. So mm. we're really, you know, we try to come up with metrics that 
reflect the success of the overall organization, not just financial KPIs and other things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're usually looking at uh, maybe trying to get to a total account goal, so how many accounts we have under management, um, sure. and then celebrating those milestones and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I think as an organization, what we're really using is now to do quantitative analysis across our portfolio and see what's working and what's not. Uh, and that's, a, you know, I think a really powerful place to be as an agency. Totally. Yeah. It sounds like, and that sounds like a pretty healthy approach too, picking sort of the right KPIs for the right situations. And I like how you're, you're checking in very almost holistically, like how's the, how's this client doing this week, this month? You know, what's, what's up exactly, with them? It's, just, it's healthy to know earlier, right? And, and say, you don't want the yeah. client telling you, Hey, look, we're down, right? You should know what's going on. Yeah. Right. You're coming to them first, like, Hey, look, you know, we knew what the situation was going in. You're still trending down. We're turning that around for you. But, you know, it's going to take a little bit more, like you said, to right the ship. And that's very reasonable. And, again, it's, it's healthy. It's a healthy way to have your relationship. You know, communication is the cornerstone of any good relationship. You know, just being transparent and owning that and with the data, you know, mm-hmm. be there to support you. It's huge. All right. Well, that's a really great note to end on, Garrett. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, thanks, all of you, for listening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, follow the links in the description and you'll be able to – you know, read more about this and follow up and check out Directive for yourself. And uh, Garrett, thanks again. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast to be on the show. And uh, yeah, man, best of luck. Cool. Thanks so much. All right.